0: Welcome back another episode of Life With Your Dog. My name's Panos and I'm here with my brother, Luke. How you doing, bro? What's going on, boys and girls? Having a good day.
1: It's Tuesday evening and we just realized it's the third anniversary of Life With Your Dog podcast. To the, to the day. day. Wow. To the day. Well, you know, the, to the day that it was released, we're recording this three years to the day, the 16th of August. 2019 was the first... Um, the first episode and you know this this episode will be out by the end of this week so what yeah. a
0: synchronicity
1: 3 years 141 going on 142 episodes no
0: no no officially it was 150 oh that's right yeah we,
1: yeah we didn't uh, we didn't count all of them at the start so. so look
0: at that on 3 years to the day we've released exactly 150 episodes so well, con- yeah that, that's so congratulations right. and cheers mm-hmm. to our efforts and to our listeners because otherwise we're just two randos talking to each other, mm-hmm. which is enjoyable. So if anyone else gets to listen and they benefit, well, then that's that's a bonus, eh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we've got an interesting episode today and um, a word that you just learned the other day, and um, it's something that doesn't get spoken about enough. And I think actually, in fact, we I, I think as a culture, we misunderstand stress, and stress is... Bad, like stress out of control. Distress is bad for us long term, for sure. Yeah, but um, but uh, distress, di- yeah, distress, Did be yeah. in distress, right? But we associate stress with distress only. So, eustress versus distress.
1: Yeah, um, let's quickly just um, spell that out. So, and I'd never heard this word, so you sent it to me in the text yesterday. You Eustress is that how you say it? Eustress. That's it. I'm pretty sure. Distress. So eustress is e E-U-S. u. T R E S S. That's um, it. Versus distress. Anyway, most people know what distress is,
0: right? Well, I've got Um, some definitions here. So I'm going to read two different ones that I got from Google. mm -hmm. So, um, eustress and distress are terms that refer to different types of stress. According to leading theory, eustress feels challenging but manageable and ultimately, ultimately leads to growth. In contrast, distress is more difficult and can sometimes feel unmanageable. And another d- definition is distress is stress that negatively affects you and eustress is stress that has a positive effect on you. So eustress is what energizes us and motivates us to make change, it gives us a positive outlook and manage and makes us capable of overcoming obstacles and sickness. And Interesting. um so and it's like <laughs>
1: yeah basically good stress versus
0: bad stress yes yeah and and it comes to the individual right like each individual would determine what sort of stressor is distressful or you stressful (laughs) to the system i can not believe
1: i'd never heard that word before i was like that's i mean i knew of good i i I guess it makes sense that there's an opposite word to distress but i'd just never come across it before
0: well yeah it's um when I first heard it, I first heard Josh Moran talking about it and there was a story about him and his dad and his dad it was explained. I don't remember the story. And then that's when I looked it up and I'm like, oh, that's legit. And then I always compared it as well to martial arts and and sport training because that's what it all comes down to. And it's how we can, like, you know, lifting weights and pushing your body to to a limit means that your body is going under stress which means it has to then rebuild and repair and heal for, the, for for performance to happen if you're showing it consistency. And, you know, you got to tear muscle for it to regrow and come back together bigger and stronger. And I'm sure the same obviously happens with our minds is that, you know, you go through undesirable situation and if it's manageable and you come out through the other end, then the success, and that's reinforcing. And it's all got to do with like negative reinforcement in, in those situations. And um and that's where pressure in training and training our dogs just in and of itself is if used correctly is really positive because we have a robust dog that understands a new form of communication. and also the the benefits that come from there is that your dog learns how to deal with minor forms of stress, which then can compound in terms of making the dog more resilient. To, um, to change and to to obstacles in life. Um, and today we're going to talk about, not that we're psychologists, but I guess we're dog trainers, so we could talk about the effects of dog training, but let's talk about the effects on us as well. Like, I'll be honest, the last four days, I think I've, well, three days, now four days I've missed out on the, on that cold shower. Something happened. I just got really over it and I wanted a break. And today I was like, "Bad, damn it, you got to do it. And when you say cold shower, is this like front, like- no, start, start to finish. No, no. Admit, sorry. Okay, I yeah. put my hand up. So hot, hot shower. Um, normal shower, and yeah. then at the end, it's just complete blast of cold for yeah. a minimum of a minute. So it's, it's like hard, man. <laughs> it sucks. It's just, especially in winter. It sucks, right? Um, it's it's hard.
1: Um, doing but the, the euphoria like, I don't you know feel like after into a cold shower from the start. Not in no, definitely sucks. not in winter. In summer, sure, but like totally. That's pretty hardcore <laughs> in the middle of winter to like just get into. Freezing, ice cold, just straight up. Yeah, water. that's that,
0: that's a bit heavy. Look, and I haven't I haven't gone down that route. And I feel like I'd, I'm not a man of of extremes. I feel that I'll do the shock, whether there's physiological benefits or not, I don't know because I haven't tested myself. But I certainly feel the psychological benefits, and the the part of it again, I've probably talked about this way too many times. But just the just the decision of turning hot all the way off and blasting full cold just to make that decision takes, takes um, a toll. There's a stress, there, there's stress in making that decision. <laughs> you're like, fuck, oh, mm, mm, all right, let's go. Ah, you know, so you gotta like kind of G yourself up when it's happening. You're like, this is super undesirable, um, especially from having quite a hot shower. So, um, there's like two extremes, but then, you know, gotta cover your body. Do what you got to do breathe through it? You, you, there's no there's no effort of breathing your body's just going <laughs> just completely on its own automatically so you do that you fully get oxygen high when you finish it i there's always a time where i laugh i always laugh I read um there's
1: actually I, I have to double check like what the benefits of each were but i read i think it was huberman who was saying like so you know like when the cold water hits you you your instinct is to like um take deep breaths or yep. that kind of thing and apparently there's like. Two different results. So if you either go with, you go with that instinct and like you actually do the like that kind Mm -hmm. of that's one outcome. And then the other one is like if you fight it, if you fight that, you're nice and slow. Yeah, I have to. I couldn't remember what the difference was, but I was interesting. Like there was some particular difference if you kind of went with it or if you kind of fight that urge or that instinct.
0: Yeah. Look. And I have heard him talk about that. I think the nose breathing through it and like trying to remain like as calm as you can while it's happening creates a different – I think something – it's got to do with like the noradrenaline, the adrenaline Mm -hmm. that happens in the brain. But you definitely get an adrenaline spike and it does help with like, you know, recovering from, you know, a cold and blah, blah. And again, I don't know about the health benefits. I don't want to talk about them because, you know, there's studies and people do that. But just the fact of doing it sucks and makes makes it better because it's another little stressor that you can manage, you can overcome, you feel great right after it and I guess you feel most grateful because you get to stop it. You know, so I think it's the the the, the consciousness the conscious decision of doing it. Now of course with our dogs they they put themselves through stressful situations. So hopefully they can get an outcome like chasing an animal, you know, like chasing an animal and hunting it. Yes. I'm sure feels good, but it's definitely stressful on the body. But if the dog gets what they want, the reward after it, that's really good. And even if they don't get the reward after it, just the activity of doing it feels good. So I'm sure there's obviously ties in with adrenaline and there's ties in with, um with dopamine and all of that. Um But that positive stress is something that you want to think about when it comes to, thinking about stress in general we think we don't want to ever feel stress it's like well then you're not going to really f- be a, have a fulfilled life because there's nothing to overcome and anyway you're going to overcome something regardless right your dog's going to over- has to overcome some sort of stress so it's also good to be able to give bouts of stress while it's happening so I've got two different lines here of like examples of of the two st- types of stress so you stress signs are provides pr- productive energy helps increase focus, increases motivation is often experienced as excitement, feels manageable, improves performance associated with confidence, expectation of positive outcome basically everything we talked about and distress signs are provides provides restless energy, decreases focus, increase increases procrastination and avoidance. I guess avoidance is probably more more appropriate in dog training. I don't know how how much dogs procrastinate. <laughs> <laughs> He's often experienced as fear or concern, feels overwhelming, impairs performance associated with insecurity and fear of negative outcome.
1: Okay. So what's a what's a good example of that in
0: those two situations in, in dogs? So I'd say, for example, playing tug could be stressful like especially how I play tug with chili it's pretty it's pretty heavy I I'm not putting heaps of pressure on him I'm not making him defensive but while we're playing I'm making him work really hard for it um so the the frustration of the fact that okay let's just say after the second rep so the first rep he doesn't know he's getting the tug I've asked him to do a bunch of stuff I mark it we play tug and then when I tell him to let go I think even just telling him to let go drop would be like some like it doesn't want to, it's frustrating. He's like, can't I just play tugs like, no, do this, do this, do this, do this. All right, now come get it. So I think that form Uh, of how is his out. It's awesome. Hmm. Really good. Yeah. It's quick. Very quick. Um I should do a video and put it up. Um but yeah now you say drop and he would he would like let go immediately. Now as we get more into the session he starts getting over aroused because he starts to get tired. You can see that he's like chomping on it and he can like just something, just his eyes glaze over and he won't like, he just he's in the zone. So that's where, if I go any further, we're going too much of a session. He's getting way too exhausted. So there's a good sign there that maybe if I go too far, I will cause distress. If we go, if we finish on a positive note, that's where we get that you stress. It's like, oh, that was a situation. It was intense. It was fun. It was motivating. We went through some pressure. He told me to let go a bunch of times and I didn't want to, but sometimes I won it. Um, This was really good. Where if I went a little bit longer and he wouldn't let go because he's getting over aroused and I start putting the pressure on him going, hey, you have to let go. And he's going, man, I just, he, he's just chattering and he gets too intense. Like I'm talking like 10 minutes, like 10 minutes of tug is like a long time of tug, right? Um, So, um, so then, if it, if it finished on a bat on a not on a positive note every time, then playing tug may be conflicting to him, and he may be even distressed by it. Does it make sense? Is that yeah, a good yeah. example?
1: Because it can go from one to the other, right? Yeah, it can go um, from use eust- use stress. I'm gonna, just, I'm just gonna call it good stress versus bad stress because yeah. like, it just sounds like it's a weird word.
0: No, you know why um, it's a weird word? Because it sounds like e-stress, and and I almost say e-stress all the time, but e-stress is when Obviously, when a when a dog's in heat, ah, uh, right, you know it's just, what I mean. It's
1: just a, it's a strange word. I've never really used it before. Yeah, okay. totally. So you can go from one to the other. I guess is the kind of, is, is the point, right? Is that you can you can like go past that threshold of good stress into stress that is no longer like necessarily beneficial for that situation or for the dog.
0: Yeah, look, and, and then like that's where conditioning, I guess, comes into it. Like I can just think about it from you know um just pro- just doing any form of martial art like you're going to get hurt you're going to get hit if you've found the enjoyment of it with with minimal injury especially at the beginning and you build some momentum and you get the drive for it the motivation for it you feel good about it and you know that knocks and bumps happen along the way even if you feel get a big injury it it all comes down to how you've been conditioned because even mentally that and it depends on the injury If the injury is significant enough that it could be so distressful that you may not want to return back to the activities that caused it. Depends on how long term damaged you are. Where um sometimes you can be badly damaged and it's like, I can't wait for this to get better because I can't wait to get back to it because I'm fully addicted to it. I gotta get back. And um, but even in like the like that's in like the macro, in the micro of like a martial arts situation is you get hit in the head with a stick. It it all like with time, I th- there's a sensation of. So we we're just speaking before we started. Is that you get me good with the stick, and i will be like, ah, you got me. It's almost like a, mm, yeah, that's that that makes me want to work harder so I don't get hit like that again. And also, I'm congratulating the fact that you got me. I like this, and even though it hurt, like there'll be a bruise, there's a good one, and we can smile about it where you get someone who's not conditioned and gets hit on the, gets hit with the head on the stick. Okay, they're right. like, they like, we can't be friends ever again, you know? And how many dogs don't feel, don't go through any stress. So like even just obedience training, you know, is you stress, you know what I mean? In a way, because you just withholding food from a dog would be stressful. It's I think like
1: in the human world, like a good example would be like, um, yeah, like you said, martial arts, but also like, um, um like going to the gym, right? Mm-hmm, so like definitely. literally the reason that muscles get bigger is because we place them under load, which is stress, right? Definitely. And that's that's why. And how about DOMS, grew. like or DOBS? Oh, dobs. DOMS delayed on some muscle soreness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that a, that's a marker of the stress that the muscles have been put through, right? And and it's a controlled and measured dose of stress.
0: Well, like, you like the every, lactic acid every rep, comes every rep up.
1: that you do is mm-hmm. a measured dose of stress mm-hmm. and over time you 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 know you um increase the weights or you increase the reps or both and so that that good stress is what leads to growth
0: exactly especially if it's focused and it has it has an out like there's there's function as well as you have an outcome i'm lifting these weights so i can be stronger be more functional and have a better physique lose weight whatever mm-hmm. where um if you're just doing it because you had to, like someone forced you, like imagine I forced you to do it. Even the fact that you're in the condition you are now and I go and I, and I force you to do it rather than you doing it on your own free will. Just that difference would make it be stressful and not stressful. When I call my dog to come and I give him the command, His eyes light up thinking there's a potential for something here, even though usually when you're calling him to come, it's because he's somewhere where you don't want him to be and it's usually somewhere where he really wants to be. So he has to leave something that he really wants to come to you and through training of creating that. Now, of course, in training, we would use pressure. If I say come and he's like, no, I'm not coming and I'll put pressure on the collar. He's like, oh, I have to. And he comes. Some people don't like that because they're like, that's distressful. But I'm like, no, I think that's you stressful. (laughs) Um, Because in that moment, yes, he didn't want that correction. And maybe he did not like it. But if he understands that the overall recall means that he may potentially play tug with me, then of course he'll put up with it. Even he'll put up with the correction of going, yeah, you corrected me. Um, Like with the leash correction. But he'll still come. Now, because I've made that command worthwhile. Like, you know, what did it say at the end here? Let's pull up real quick. It says, so in eustress signs, it says expectation of a positive outcome, where in distress signs is fear of a negative outcome. So how are you training? Are you training with more punishment and, and pressure and not motivating the dog and going through the steps too quickly? Or are you showing that you leave the duck? Or when Jilly l- ran after a rabbit and he left the rabbit. I can't believe it. And he came to me. Who was that? At the top of my bloody street. It was ridiculous. Yeah, right. yeah this What is time like, of day was that? Um, like 10.30 at night. Ah, uh, okay.
1: Yeah. So I'm walking up
0: sense. the street. Just a quick little toilet walk and um, dogs off the lead. Was and, it definitely uh, a rabbit? You never see rabbits. You yeah, know, 100% rabbit. There was this big, huge, grey bunny rabbit. I got my, like, really strong torch on me. So I, like. Um, I checked after, and it was massive. But yeah, I actually checked him, saw him, and he goes hell yeah! And just bull runs, <laughs> takes like four steps onto the road. I say his name, I tell him to come. He he he. It was almost like there was a magnet drawing him to the rabbit. But, yeah, the prey drive. Yeah, so like he, his body's like facing the rabbit, but like still running towards that's me. That's in
1: interesting that he you you know you could like reach him when he's in that state of
0: yeah. Like, yeah. That's what I mean. Is that going through those those motions allowed him, like, no, obviously I've brainwashed him. He runs towards a rabbit. I say, chilly, come now. He's also going, damn, I don't want to get in trouble. But also he ran with to me with enthusiasm, even though he didn't want to go there. It was really strange for him. And he sat there and I had no reward on me. I clicked him on my like, good boy and I patted him. I'm like, let's keep walking. And, um, of course, he was, like, trying to find the rabbit. I shone the light on it and it was a huge domestic Bunny rabbits or something—it's like escaped out of some oh, yard. Gotten out, okay. Yeah, we're going to have <laughs> rabbits in our, in like our area. Wild rabbit stew. Nah. So if it was a real rabbit, like it would have run very fast, and I don't think I would have got him. Is that this domestic rabbit kind of like hop three hops?
1: Oh, you like, mean if it was running fast, do you think he would have gone for it?
0: Yeah, I don't think would, I don't think it would have.
1: Come Not that rabbits me. run; they N- hop, right?
0: They hop. I guess. Although I isn't that, the, isn't that a f-
1: poem or a song or something? Run, rabbit, run. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah. So do they run? <laughs> do they hop? Uh, they go very fucking fast. Yeah. And um, and I reckon now again, I mitigate it. I'm not expecting to see wild rabbits to run away. And look, it could have happened to anyone. These things happen. But his recall worked, and he came to me. So he left the real thing to come to the potential fake thing. Like if I go, if I even gave him the ball or the tug, that's a pseudo rabbit. <laughs> So why leave the real thing for the for, for the fake thing? But it's all because he knows he's going to get in trouble for it. He knows that in the moment, did he feel like I have to come or I really want to come? And I really think he was he was in both states of mind. It looks mm. like, but also Not that we can ask him exactly. But then, how about
1: he understands that
0: it's in his best interests
1: to come back? Put it that way. Yeah, he's, he's understood over interest. time. Yeah, that to not come back would result in a correction, and to come back could result in
0: and to be honest, kind of reinforcement. But I don't overall, think I've ever corrected him for like, not coming. What's that? I don't think I've ever punished him for not for his recall not happening. I've just timed his recalls to be so perfect that I've I believe I've created like a conditioned response, like mm-hmm. he does it just reflexively because I I use it so carefully, like it's like calculated every time. Like sometimes I do have that ball. And like so, I think we were our bush. He did like run after the rabbits into the bushes. Took me a couple of times of like telling him like chala 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 yeah. until, until I got his attention. I caught gave him the recall. He did leave it, he did come to me and I did reward him. So there has been times where so when you say happen- you time it, you mean like you use it sparingly? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, because so you don't be- just do
1: it for the sake of it.
0: no nah, never, never. Okay. Like, and that's why I have like here. Here, but here, but yeah. he's always like loosely come to me. But Ella is like, whoa, it's really
1: right? So, okay, yeah. so he when he knows when he hears that particular command.
0: Yes. So I keep saying "tilly different... come," but it's not yeah. his command. It's Ella, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just want to sound too much like a wog. Keep saying Ella all the time, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I should have made it oppa. Um, <laughs> so, um, but again, I guess we do, we kind of went down a bit of a rabbit hole. But, um, but <laughs> beneficial, exactly beneficial stress would be like regular training, exercise, and like set and boundary setting. Mm. So, like when your dog's in your space, there's boundaries. Hey, impulse control, buddy. Don't just jump on my couch. Don't just grab my slipper and run around. Like, yeah, it's like, oh, I don't want to tell him off. I really don't want my dog. Does he do that? Who? Are
1: you talking about chili now or not?
0: No, no, no just like, just generally. <laughs> <laughs> what? What what are like
1: uh what what's what's something naughty that chili likes to do? Like what does he like to do that kind of
0: like isn't allowed? Um dig holes and destroy stuff.
1: Dig? He's a digger?
0: Yeah. Yeah, except since I've addressed it, I think I spoke about banishing him from the immediate part of the backyard and he's now in dogland mm-hmm. behind the fence. Mm. Um he doesn't dig holes in the back section. He only dig holes when he's just behind the house just, there. Just in like, yeah, just off yeah. you know where the concrete slab is there. Um, and how he does it is he's like chewing something up, like a stick or something, and the stick will break up, then the little piece will go onto the grass, and he'll try to get it. And then he does one scratch. And he's like, Oh, this is so good. And right. then he would, like in the last time I banished him, i at 2 a.m. I put him outside because I passed out on the couch. Woke up at 7 a.m. and there was four massive deep holes. They weren't wide, they were like small, but like deep. And he, like, pulled out, like, this plant from a from a pot in, like, the space of five hours in the middle of the night. It wasn't like I've neglected him for a whole day off. Like, we had a day off or something, and it was, like, expected. It's like, I saw that, and I'm like, you know, I'm just sick and tired of being angry with you. Like, he doesn't sleep inside the house. Sometimes spades and nookie will sleep in, but he's always at the back. But now I just open but the he door. He sleeps outside? Yeah, I open the door. I'm like, uh, like like I don't even say anything. I just open the door and he just takes himself right at the back, goes he, into the kennel. Where does
1: he sleep? Oh, he's got a kennel.
0: Yeah, yeah he's like a, it's like it's elevated up off the ground. Yeah, yeah. Um, my my um my neighbor made it for us, and um he's got a bed there, blanket, so That's he's mad. quite warm. It's under a tree, you know, and he's still alive. I got Shadow know. likes
1: to throw his bed around, but he doesn't he doesn't do it when we're here. He does it when we're not here. Yeah, okay. And we have like the little camera that I can watch him. Yeah. And he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not destructive with it. He doesn't like tear the, the bed or bite holes in it. He just likes yeah. to like throw it around, just kind of drag it around on the floor. And there you go. Probably has it gives it a bit of a hump every now and then, but it's pretty funny to watch. That's hilarious. It's like the only thing that he does, really.
0: And that's, and that's, that and that's a good only thing he does. That's yeah. hectic. Um, with, um, so, like, for example, me and Tanya went away for a night um, over the weekend and my mother-in-law, um, like, looked after the dogs. So I just gave him, like, a couple of cardboard boxes um, for that time. My mother-in-law still chucked him at the back at night time, but, like, he still had access to the whole yard during the day. Um He chewed his boxes, had a couple of extra toys. So it's not like he's, like, digging holes every single time. It's just that on those days where he's not getting as much as he normally gets, um, he destroys more stuff that he's allowed to. Like, look, there's heaps of stuff in the yard kids toys my shoes like everything he's not like killing everything he's just he'll be annoying like i've got this nice little flower in the pot plant next to my, um leonardo's cubby house um he full loves the flowers and then it's been there forever and then one day i'll come there and like the pot's upside down and i don't know what the <laughs> chill is done so like just ordinary dog stuff right um but hence why i've got the fence i just chuck him back there and
1: so you've seen him do that is that good stress for you or bad stress Super distressful.
0: <laughs> totally. And becomes distressful for Chile too because I get really mad. So yeah. Um, so I want to avoid it. I want to avoid that stress by going, you know, I'll just chuck it at the back. I said six months. Six months, you're back there. So I don't know. It's like a month and a half now, so we've still got some time. Soon it'll be so nice out there. It's like, it'll be a desirable. Ah,
1: speaking of which, I came down the driveway today and we've got a little we've got a cherry blossom tree here. Mm-hmm. And the first cherry blossoms are starting to bloom, which means spring Perfect. is coming. That's the first sign of um, the first sign of spring.
0: No, the first sign of spring is me sneezing twenty five times in a row oh, yeah, and I'm almost having too. a heart attack.
1: The Nasenex has started. I've started. Oh taking gosh, that.
0: how annoying! Yeah, huh? yeah, the yeah. worst. Um, so what else have I got on this list here? Um, effects on learning necessary for development helps with future stressful events. Okay, so give me one second. Talking about having hay fever. I'm just full of. Are
1: you allergic to certain dogs as well?
0: Was it Stanford? Yeah, dogs. Frenchies? Yeah, um, the short head sort of dogs and dust mites and pollen and some molds and shit. All the good stuff. (laughs) Craziness. Um, So um, obviously, there is no. Okay, so anyway, what I was talking about with the recall, uh, we fully digress. So if, if, the recall is a fear of a negative outcome only. If you only train your dog through pressure, like you say come and you make them come every single time with popping them and bad ah, got to do it, then why, first of all, would the dog leave the thing that it really wants to come to you, especially when he's off the leash? But also you can't train and learn when you're in distress. Distress li- like inhibits learning compared to manageable forms of stress. That's why I do three to five sessions a day, three to five minutes each session. Don't do two 2 20 minute sessions with your dog because they'll be, they probably become distressful. Just like like school was distressful. Like mm. I think of school, and I don't think of good learning. You I didn't thought of enjoy like it. no shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, so they they got to change that again, depending on the individual. Some people learn differently, and again, it's a very very. Tough topic to talk about because there's so many variables and what come, what's involved. But um, but we're in control of our dogs. We can put them into a crate, we can put them in a kennel, we can section them in the yard, we can create what we want from our dogs. Just don't be shy of not putting them through some pressure. So things that I really want to address, which is for more pragmatic for dog training, is um like escape and avoidance training. So like basically using negative reinforcement in, um in, in a sense creates, th- creates you stress, right? So escape and avoidance sounds horrible, but, um but what is it? So you jump in the car, don't put your seatbelt on the car beeps, 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 beeps. You click your seatbelt on. So at first, if you never knew what it was, the beeping, the stimulus of the beeping is really annoying. It's, it's, it's frustrating. And, you click in, you put your seatbelt on, you stop it. So at first, so in that moment, you escaped it. You hear it, you hear it, you hear it. You click in, you've escaped it. You keep doing it because you're silly. It takes you like 25 times to understand what the hell. This happens every time we jump in the car. This is crazy. So then eventually, you jump in the car and before you put your seatbelt on, I mean, before you put the keys in the ignition, you click in. You avoid the pressure. So with our dogs, just like happened just this morning, we're practicing the down command. We say down. The dog full, well and truly knows it. We say down, we issue a gesture a second later, the dog lays down. Now we're trying to show him, all right, now you're in the slip lead. The dog's a little bit older, he can understand. We say down, we point to the ground at the same time we apply pressure. The dog feels the pressure and straight away he goes in opposition reflex and he pushes against it. I keep the pressure on, very, very light, one or two out of ten. The dog lays down after a little bit of like help with a lure. He lays down, I release the pressure, I reward him. So in that moment he escaped that pressure. And that was stressful. He felt it and he's like, what in the hell is this pressure? I want to run away from it and. It's still on, but as soon as he performed the behavior, I release the pressure and I mark and reward immediately. So he escapes it. Now, it didn't take very long. It took literally like four reps, five reps, because the dog was really into it and understood. I said down before I can even give us a hand gesture. The dog lays down going, don't put that pressure on. I mark it and I reward it and I jackpotted him and I released him and we finished the session. We finished there and then. It was four reps. And he's like, well, that was pretty cool. How do I make that happen again? Exactly. And he goes, now that bit of stress that we put on him, a little bit of leash pressure can transmute into so many other ways of life. So, the cold shower, why is it important? Well, the philosophy is if I can do one difficult thing a day, then I can do another difficult thing that I don't, that I, that I have to do, that I have to deal with. I don't have to deal with the cold shower. I don't have to work out. I don't have to walk my dogs every day. I don't have to do all these things. But I have a lot of responsibilities, so if I feel like I can squeeze in a couple of moments of going through a little bit of pressure that I can control, I kind of motivate myself, I kind of empower myself. It's the same with our dogs. We put them through some of this pressure and don't shy away from using leash pressure. We don't shy away from applying some punishment to behaviors because if we know that they can manage through it. Then if a dog attacks them, God forbid something happens, dog gets bitten or, you you know, there's a stressful situation, your dog doesn't know how to act or it's a new environment and your dog has to perform when going in a lift. Like most of the people here haven't taken their dog in a lift. Like you've been in a lift many times. Think about the last time you took your dog into a lift or an escalator. That's probably pretty next level. I wouldn't recommend that unless you're an assistance dog or a support dog. But um or shadow a service hates dog escalators.
1: Rather. It's like the one thing that he doesn't like.
0: Yeah, look, it's um nothing that you'd kind of need your dog to do. Unless again, if you're a service dog, then you need yeah. to then so you have to desensitize. But but my point is, is that you may need to go into a lift one day. And if your dog doesn't know how to deal with like a little bit of a slippery surface, because you've always avoided it because your dog's so scared of it. Desensitization is about small bouts of positive or neutral experiences, so that we can get out of ha- being distressed. So it's kind of interesting that you need to use stress so that you can beat stress. So
1: there's no right. growth without stress, literally. Like yeah. that's what we're talking about with muscles before. It's like that is literally progressive overload, which is literally the the mechanism by which a muscle grows. Right? It's like stimulus applied onto the muscle that causes. A small amount of stress which causes small tears in the muscle mm-hmm. when those muscle when those tears repair the muscle grows
0: and, and it, it it's definitely the process that.
1: of that stress
0: but like let's just say even something more like something more pragmatic is that you um and on that same on that same note is we go hunting and we have to like climb hills and cut our feet and you know it's a journey Not just hunting isn't just about just killing an animal and eating it, it's about the whole thing that's involved. And most importantly, it's a massive um, letdown and disappointment when you're not even successful. So, when we're talking about this sort of process, is that you've got to be and you know, even rewarding a dog on an intermittent schedule of reinforcement would be stressful. When you first go from rewarding the dog every time to rewarding the dog, sometimes the dog's like, What the fuck is going on? I thought I was going to get rewarded and now you're not rewarding me. It's craziness. So, um, so without, without training, you want to kind of purposefully apply some pressure. And that's when it comes to like the last two points that I've got, like withholding of food and giving forms of punishment, even if it's a leash correction, even if it's like shouting at your dog because, you know, um, you're at a distance and he jumped on your knees and you're like, oh, get off her. And then just that, that, the stress of that moment, if the dog learns that he can go up to, the, you know, your niece again and sit down in front of her and get a pat compared to running at her and jumping on her and getting the correction, then you, we've arguably just helped the dog by minimizing an aversive event as well as the dog not shutting down because he's never, ever dealt with pressure before. Like when Nookie got attacked and we came back to, to normal everyday life I was really convinced that she was like, I had to go into a desensitization program after like counter condition and do all this stuff. But I kind of didn't because we just went back to a regular routine. We talked to before about it's because of the foundations in what she has and everything was normal. It keeps everything together, but also she deals with pressure and she overcomes it because we do that regularly purposefully so that that big event wasn't something that was so bad, you know? And, um, I'm going to wrap it up there for two reasons, because if we talk any more about it, I'm going to pretend like I'm an expert on it. And I yeah, think yeah. we're still trying we're no to figure experts.
1: it out. We're just a couple of dudes who like dogs and podcasting.
0: So, but what's most important is that I'm about to pee myself and I really, oh, really? gotta go. <laughs> so that's probably another reason why we should wrap it up. It was a bit of a shorter one today, but, um, we didn't have to go anymore. I think it's important to know that stress in your life, if you can overcome it, is beneficial to you. So seek ways of. Finding stress that you can overcome and also do that with your dog um, in any many different ways. Just think of the relationship with stress, because the one thing is that if we try to go, look, I'm not going to do that because that seems stressful, you got to kind of like manage and mitigate, well, how much stress can I cope with and how much am I willing to put up with so if I want more growth, if I want to make it further on in life, because the most freaking dangerous place to be in life is in just autopilot, just cruising through life. Because before you know it, it's going to be all over. But also, you never get to reach maximum potential. And I remember my mentor back in the day says, "Either you're up the top of your game, or you're hit rock bottom." Those are the two most valuable places to be. Because at least if you're rock bottom, there's only one way up. And if you're on top of your game, well, then you know they keep it up because it's it's a, it, it can be far down. But if you're just cruising in autopilot, if your dog's just living just a just like a, a sedentary lifestyle, is that what is, is that like a, a great way to? To make that sedentary, yeah, sedentary yeah, yeah, sedentary, like you're just like. just living life, just living, and like your dogs don't really like get well, to experience, like not moving around a lot, not moving. Your mind's not moving. There's no pressure. There's no yeah. excitement. It's like, what do you do then? You know what yeah. I mean. So, um, so I think we have to have like that that relationship with stress that that can build us up and not destroy us. So, yeah, that's it. Much love. Thank Another you.
1: Another episode done and dusted.
0: That's 151 episode and happy 3 year anniversary my bro. Thanks to anyone who's listened to us for this long.
1: Um yeah. of course thank you to the people who are like just starting to listen to us um as well. Uh we hope you get something out of this like totally. Know, it's not just us getting on here for the sake of it. Hopefully you guys actually learn stuff from this and take something out of it and if you do, you know it'd be great if you could share it with maybe just one person who you felt like could actually benefit from listening to this episode that would that would help us you know what i mean
0: and um give uh, us a giving back give us a review on either apple or spotify because that really does help us every single review um every single rating does something to our show and also you can just share us some love and just put something up on instagram or even just like a couple of our um, stuff on instagram because that's another way of people reaching out um and finding out but any questions I love up.
1: it when people listen to the show and like, um, tag us, like, for example, it's like a photo or a video of them, like doing whatever. And like, they tag us, like, Oh, I'm listening to the show, or whatever. That's cool. That's like the to best. See we love sharing we really share them. Um, the best. Yeah. Oh, the man. other thing as well is like Spotify reviews. I found out, um, they're in a way they're like they're more legit than than apple because yep. you can't actually rate a show on spotify until you've listened to like yeah. i don't know a few episodes yeah so they they you can't just like have people like spam reviews on there you actually have to be like a legit listener of a podcast on spotify spotify before you can actually submit a, a rating or a review on on there so cool little feature
0: yeah, and that's true because I did that for the Canon paradigm. I want to share some love, and I and I don't normally listen to them on Spotify. So I don't listen mm. to a few episodes. I don't
1: listen to podcasts yeah. on Spotify. Either. Yeah,
0: same. <laughs> I that's use it. um I use
1: the podcast app. I used to use Google Podcasts, but if you is if any, if anyone from Google is listening, for like sucks the second biggest. Company on the planet, your podcast app is absolute trash, and
0: I will never use it again. You know, Spotify confuses the crap out of me. I don't. I only listen to Joe Rogan on that, and everything else on Podcast Addict because I just, it's just so not intuitive. It's just Mm. not. I hate it. It was so annoying.
1: Like, you know, Spotify is designed like the algorithm, the way it works, right? Like, you listen to music, and then it's like recommending other music, this and that, playlist, and that kind of thing. The reason I used to like Google Podcasts was because everything was like in chronological order had all my favorites there. Like it, it would make a playlist based on the order that episodes had come out in. Yeah, the yeah. Podcast app is the closest one that I've found to that. So the reason I stopped using Google Podcasts because it just kept crashing. Like it was unbelievable. I was like, was this app made by like a five-year-old or was it made by <laughs> Google? You know? Craziness. It, like it was coded by,
0: by a child. Anyway, yeah, that's yeah. my rant for the day. There's your rant. Got off your <laughs> chest. All right. We're good now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thanks boys and girls.
0: Thanks guys. See Much love. Time. Happy 3 anniversary, you! Thank you for listening to another episode of Life With Your Dog. Please share with your friends if you're enjoying our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook, Life With Your Dog Podcast. My name's Panos, and to keep up with my dog training adventures, tips and techniques, you can find me on Instagram at NP underscore dog. Underscore training, my website npdogtraining.com or my YouTube channel Nutris Pooches. Thanks for listening, guys.
1: My name is Luke. If you'd like to find out more about my dog training services, you can find me at www.kizuna. That's K-I-Z-U-N-A. K9 C-A-N-I-N-E. dot com. au. Uh, I'm also on Instagram at K9 Training. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.